Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 214 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Lessons from Leaders Who Grow, Q&A with M. In the last four years, we've had over 1,000 leaders take our Leadership Beyond the Theory program, or LBT as we call it. We've really got to see a broad cross-section of global leaders. Leaders at all levels, from aspiring leaders who haven't yet had their first leadership role, to experienced CEOs. Leaders in dozens of countries, from almost every continent. And FYI, we're still looking for our first leader from Antarctica. We've had leaders from virtually every industry, from consulting and education through manufacturing and aviation to marketing and transportation. Leaders from every type of organization, Fortune 500 companies, health and fitness startups, tech giants, government agencies, not-for-profits, academia, you name it. We have learned a hell of a lot through our interactive sessions, addressing the questions and issues faced by all of these leaders, and there are some common threads that emerge frequently. So with only two days left to register for the October 2022 cohort of LBT, we figured the best thing we could do is give you a window into the leadership challenges and successes of those leaders who truly want to improve. They take a proactive approach to investing their time and energy into their future career path, and they aren't held back by the things that stop a lot of people from reaching their full potential as leaders. Now today, Em and I are reflecting on the five key things 
that we've learned about leaders and leadership after running this program for four years. So Em, how much do we love running the public cohorts of LBT? Um, the two cohorts we conduct each year are pretty intense and we do a lot in between each one, but I'd love to run more of them. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my favourite part of the job. The big payback for all the effort that we put in throughout the year is to see these leaders massively increase their confidence and capability in just eight short weeks. But that's because they put the work in, right? And uh, I don't know, Marty, doing it more than twice a year would probably kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably would. It would. It just takes a huge amount of energy from the whole team to make the cohorts as impactful as they are. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with twice a year. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Well, look, after spending over 30 years in corporate roles, uh, it's incredibly refreshing to work in an environment where every individual actually wants to change and they've made the commitment to building their leadership capability. It massively improves their career trajectory, and it's a blessing for every person they lead for the duration of their careers. Um, I also really love the comments we get from people telling us how LBT hasn't just lifted their leadership performance, but it's basically improved every area of their life. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when people work out how to actually apply the tools and strategies, not only to their professional lives, but also to their personal lives. It's, It's incredibly powerful. But look, let's get into our observations because I think that every leader can learn something from these points. Okay, so observation one. Obviously, the leaders we see are committed to learning, growth and self-development. So it's probably fair to say that they're not the typical leader. They seem to have something more. What is that? Yeah, that's a really good observation to kick off, Em. Um, And from my corporate career, particularly my executive years where I led lots of other leaders, there are a few things that stand out to me. Now, the first is that not every leader wants to do the things they need to do in order to grow. The vast majority of leaders say they do, but that's not quite the full story. What they actually mean is, and of course the subtext of their dialogue is, I'm prepared to do things to improve as long as they're not hard things. (laughs) Yep, I saw a lot of that in my career before we started this business. Isn't it interesting, though, that the leaders have already been filtered before they end up in our Leadership Beyond the Theory cohorts? Mm. I guess yeah. we're probably dealing with a smaller subset of the leadership populations, the ones who are you know, really committed to growth. Something that's actually surprised me is that we don't often see leaders who are trying to keep up the facade without doing the work, because I think that just takes a lot of energy and a bunch of rationalizations to live like that, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but I know so many leaders who've rationalized for so long, and let's face it, humans are awesome at rationalization, <laughs> that they begin to believe their own bullshit. You end up with this strange pantomime. We have enough leaders like this who believe the spin and they all walk around like everything is fine and there are no bad leaders in the organisation. Mm. When in fact, decent leaders are few and far between. Now, as you know, we've done podcast episodes on this. Um, one was actually called Believing Your Own Bullshit. And I refer a lot of people to that one. I think it's episode 143. But um, anyhow, we'll stick a link in the show notes. Yeah, that was the Emperor's New Clothes one, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Oh, gosh, you used to read that to me as a child. I never thought that I would be here 25 <laughs> odd years later talking about it in this context. <laughs> uh, very good. But OK, cool. So let's go on to observation number two. This one is perhaps a little surprising, but many leaders think that they're working in a unique context when, as we know, there's a hell of a lot more commonality between all these leaders than you might think on face value. 
What do you think, Marty? Oh, for sure. Look, I'm I'm always amused by the fact that everyone thinks they're dealing with unique circumstances. But the fundamentals are the same regardless of context, especially when it comes to leadership. So um, a great story from, I don't know, I guess about 20 years ago. Uh, I was working for a mining company, C-level role, and I was visiting a mine site in central Queensland. And as the general manager was escorting me through the tour of the operations, I made a comment about the similarity I saw between his operation and another mine that I'd visited a few weeks prior to that. He looked at me in complete shock and said, we have almost nothing in common with that mine. They're an underground mine and we're an open cut mine. (laughs) Completely different, right? Nothing in common at all. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, I love that story. But it is so true. Leadership is leadership. Whether you're on a mine site in the middle of Australia or in a hospital in the middle of the city, getting results out of your people is the same, regardless of context. Now, I remember clearly that we had a conversation about this when we were developing the first version of LBT. Initially, we thought that the content might resonate with more leaders in, I don't know, heavy asset intensive and industrial businesses, because that's where the majority of your experience was in your executive career. But over the years, we've found that the concepts of leadership are truly universal and they apply to every leader in every type of business. Yeah, look, I figured the tools and strategies were transferable, but even I've been surprised by the applicability across such a range of circumstances and I think in particular across such a variety of cultures. So um, as you know, I talk through a lot of real world examples from my career. So think, you know, energy, mining, transportation and so on. We found that there are two types of people. Now, the first type realizes that the context is completely transferable and they adapt the key learnings to their own situation. The second type is the person who says, well, I don't work in mining, so this isn't relevant to me, (laughs) and disregards the entire point. So even those leaders who are keen to learn and grow have some mental blocks at times, which is why it's so important that I personally answer every single question that's asked during the program. If the context isn't clear, that's how we help people to work out how to translate the concept into their language. Uh, One of the key elements of being successful in any type of organisation is to recognise patterns to see the similarities in different situations, and to use your past experience to inform the way you deal with new scenarios that you may not have encountered before. And that's the reason I was able to be successful in so many different industries. Really good point, Marty. All right, let's move on to our third observation. This is one that I probably see more than you because I do all the deep analysis of the data that we collect from the surveys that we run. Clearly, we're outcome focused, so we want to see real change, not just going through the motions. This observation is that even leaders who want to improve sometimes don't have the right mindset because their experience gets in the way. Yeah, this is a super interesting one, and it sort of speaks to how much attitude and mindset are factors in virtually everything. So, you know, of course, we've got some incredibly seasoned C-level leaders who do the program and learn a huge amount. Now, some change their entire leadership style and completely overhaul their organization's processes because they're open to learning new things and actually trying them. They also don't seem to have the same self-protection barriers that some leaders do. They're sort of uh, introspective and a bit more self-aware. They always consider that there's a possibility that they're wrong or that there might be a better way of doing things. And this is actually a sign of intelligence, the ability to change your perspective when you encounter better facts. 
Yeah, so true. But we also see leaders who join and surprisingly think they have nothing new to learn. (laughs) They spend half the time trying to poke holes in the concepts, which is kind of funny for us, but a waste of time for everyone, I guess. Um, You know, I, I think from what I've seen, those leaders are perhaps a little insecure and they're looking for confirmation of their current approach rather than genuinely trying to learn, grow and improve. What do you think sits behind that, Marty? Well, look, I could guess that on one hand they're looking to grow, but on the other they have emotional and psychological barriers that hold them back, as as we all do, really. Mm. Um, one of my favourite expressions applies perfectly here, right? They can't get out of their own way. They're smart and experienced and their heart's absolutely in the right place, but they have some sort of invisible barrier to growth. And, you know, it's hard to work out what that is sometimes. Yeah, it certainly goes to show, though, doesn't it, that improving as a leader is all about your openness and willingness to learn new things to self-reflect and to actually ask the right questions you know things like okay i understand this principle but am i actually doing this or is Mm. there a better way to do things or how can i improve what i'm doing without compromising my own unique leadership style uh or maybe you know let's imagine for a minute that this is true how would it change my perspective? Just those types of questions. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic questions. Em. They're ones you should be pulling out every day. Um, and your observation is spot on. Uh, why don't we move on to our fourth observation, which is really an extension of the previous one. It's important to have the right intent, but what matters more is action. Having the self-discipline to develop the habits and behaviours that are going to enable you to develop and implement real change in your leadership capability and performance. Well, how easy is it to develop bad habits and how hard is it to break them? (laughs) I I know. But, you know, what we do know for sure about leadership is that there are no silver bullets, right? So unless you commit to doing the work and to make the change, you're not actually going to go anywhere at all. Every leader joins the program with the intention to do the work. I mean, otherwise, why else would they join? But, you know, a good example of this is They say at the start they're going to commit to attending a live webinar every week and then they don't. They might just do one and then they don't do any more for the rest of the program. We see pretty early on the people who want to change enough to actually put in the work. And unfortunately, there are a bunch in every cohort who don't. I mean, they sort of do. They sort of have that intention because that they want to, but it's just not quite enough to actually put in the hard yards. So, you know, their leadership performance, their career prospects and their confidence don't improve to the extent that they should or to the extent that they could if they really did put in the work. They've got good intentions and the right mindset, Mm. but they just don't have the self-discipline to actually follow through. And I think this is really, really critical when we talk about doing the program. Yeah. I mean, what an important principle, not just in leadership, but way beyond that. It's a life principle. And, um, you know, one of my favorite expressions, Em, if you do the easy things in life, life becomes hard. But if you do the hard things in life, life becomes easy. Mm. And the leaders who manage to just push beyond the noble intent and take action really reap the benefits. Um, You know, like going to the gym, motivation doesn't come before action. It's through taking the action you build the motivation. So we see the vast majority of our LBT leaders taking action, and it's much easier because of the practical techniques and strategies that we arm them with. But as they take those first awkward steps of change, something exciting happens. The first is they realise that leading strongly isn't as scary as it first seems. 
Uh, then they get into a virtuous cycle of action, results, rewards, and impact. And the confidence comes from acting, and then that fuels further action. So you don't walk out after eight weeks of LBT and all of a sudden you're an exceptional leader. But you do walk out fully armed with everything you need to work on becoming a better leader over time. So you're spot on, M. No silver bullets. Yeah, well, we know it's the leaders who do the hard work of leadership that actually thrive, right? Mm. The ones who take the daily steps to do something different and to work on the things that create better performance in others, not just barricading themselves behind a wall of never-ending meetings and email tasks, which is pretty easy to do. Mm. But we definitely see the difference between leaders who do the work on themselves and the leaders who just tick the boxes of covering off the content. Okay, why don't we move on to our final observation, Marty, observation number five. We get a tremendous number of questions about what you would like to call the constraints of the job. Every job has limitations and constraints, and we sometimes find ourselves trapped by these, using them as an excuse not to change. I see this every week when I'm preparing the questions for our live Q&A webinars. It's just so interesting to see the leaders who genuinely want to change and they want to find ways to get around their constraints, but it's really difficult for them to see how they can. Mm, so interesting, isn't it? I mean, we use the generic concept of constraints, but as you know, Em, there are a few dimensions to it. Of course, you have real constraints in every role. So there's not an organisation on the planet, for example, that has enough time, money and people to do everything that it would ideally like to do. So you have to make some choices and everyone accepts the reality of that. You know, uh, we'd like to do this project, but there's not enough money to allocate to it. Or, uh, you know, oh, it'd be great to use M on this project, but she's tied up on a higher priority project over here. Lots of real constraints, which is why Michael Porter said, strategy is about deciding what not to do. But, you know, leaders often get trapped by what I call artificial constraints. Now, these are the constraints that we build up in our own heads. You know, the ones where we assume that we couldn't possibly take a certain course of action but we're actually making assumptions and not testing them. So a classic, and of course this one's really close to my heart, is the artificial constraint about who's on your team. Now for the most part, the leader gets to choose the team. But in many situations, a leader will resign themselves to the team they land in without questioning their performance and capability. It's a case of, well, you know, I guess I have to work with what I've got. All these people are here for a reason, so I guess I just have to work out how to get the best out of them. Besides, our culture is inclusive and we need to make sure everyone is looked after. (laughs) You know me, what a load of bullshit, Mm. right? This is a recipe for mediocrity and underperformance. There's nothing worse than a culture where people know they have a job for life, regardless of how they choose to behave and perform. And some leaders never test the constraint to see if they could actually do something different. So you know my motto, it's a lot easier to rein in a stallion than it is to flog a donkey. <laughs> yep. So while many leaders spend their days flogging donkeys, their good people flounder without the support and direction they need from a leader. Yeah, we've come across that quite a bit. And there's the common constraint of, I think this is a better way to do things, but I have a terrible boss who's a micromanager, he'll never go for it. It can take a lot of energy to overcome the bad boss syndrome because there are plenty out there, but that's really just like any other constraint, isn't it? Mm, not totally. A lot of the questions that we get are about things that are unlikely to change and that the leader has very little control over. So, for example, 
you know, they do module one deliver value and then they come back and say, my boss will never prioritize value, so I can't either. <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, I work in a small business where the CEO's son reports to me. He can't meet the minimum acceptable standard, even though I've coached him. I can't bring it up with the CEO because it's his son. Oh, yeah. So I just have to be okay with his performance. There's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the common ones, I work in a government agency or for the public service and I can't fire people. So I just have to go with the flow. <laughs> that one kills me. Oh, yeah. These are constraints of the job that I guess ultimately they let people off the hook for poor leadership. And from what I can tell, some of these constraints are real and some are artificial. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree, Em. Uh, it's an easy cop-out to say, I would do this, but I can't because. Mm. Now, with any constraint, I think it's important to recognise what it is. Then you have a really simple decision to make. Can I live with this constraint or can't I? And this sets up a really binary choice. So if you can live with it, then accept it, stop bitching and moaning, get on with it. Spend every day doing your absolute best within the constraints you're working with. If you can't live with it, then you'll have to vote with your feet and find another role elsewhere. Now, I know that sounds brutal, but that's one of life's realities. The really good thing about this approach, though, is that it forces you to admit you have a choice. And when you realise and admit to yourself that you do have a choice, then the feeling of being trapped actually goes away. You might not be 100% happy, but life is a lot better when you realise how much choice you truly do have. We always have a choice, And it just depends whether the cost and risk of that choice is acceptable to us. So it really helps us to break through the artificial constraints that we create in our own heads. Yep, yep. That is such a good note to finish on. Let me just quickly recap on the five observations that we've picked up from the leaders who want to grow from all over the world from our Leadership Beyond the Theory cohorts because we we have covered a lot here, Marty. So observation number one, we spoke about the type of leader who joins LBT and why they're more likely to grow and experience a stronger career trajectory. Number two, we spoke about how the principles of strong leadership are universal and they transcend any industry, organization, type and culture. We looked at how, unfortunately, for some leaders, they let their experience get in the way of positive change because they don't adopt the right mindset. We covered the concept of intent versus action and why it's so important to have the practical tools and strategies that you can use to develop the habits, disciplines and behaviors that strong leaders have. And then finally, we just finished with the observation about the constraints leaders have, both real and imagined, (laughs) that can often be an obstacle to their own progression. Now, look, I hope this episode has given our listeners some food for thought on how they might like to tackle their next leadership development challenge. If you'd like to join the October 2022 cohort of Leadership Beyond the Theory, we kick off on Monday. So head to leadershipbeyondthetheory.com to learn more and enroll now if you want to join us. Marty, why don't you take us out? Uh, sure, and thanks. I really enjoyed that because we've learned so much in the last four years about what makes our best leaders tick and what holds them back. So that brings us to the end of episode 214. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode right now with your network of leaders. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode because I'm going to tackle another one of those long-held myths. Results or people? Which is more important? Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. 